Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Colts and Falcons, Lucas Oil Stadium will be rocking on Sunday afternoon for the home opener for your 2019 Indianapolis Colts. I'm Kevin Bowen, riding solo in the studio here at the worldwide headquarters of MS Communications on the Circle in downtown Indianapolis. Another edition of Kevin's Corner, Joey Molinaro, 48 hours away from wedding time. He will accept all prayers, wishes. I'll take a few prayers um, for those of you that care about me not being able to watch some of that Notre Dame-Georgia game. So um, some might argue, you know, wh- which prayers mean more on uh, Saturday afternoon. But, yes, Joey is out. Um, he's planning a wedding, and I am going to ride solo here for about the next half hour, 45 minutes, giving you a look at the Atlanta Falcons and the Colts meeting on Sunday afternoon. Some things I learned this week, a couple of Big injuries that we definitely um, did not know in the immediate aftermath of the Week 2 win down in Nashville, so we'll touch on those. I do want to briefly hit on some of the kickers that the Colts worked out for Adam Vinatieri this week. Uh, I want to touch a little bit on Kari Willis. I I think the rookie safety out of Michigan State. Talk about a guy that made a big-time jump from Week 1 to Week 2. This is a guy that I really think you know, has the potential to play a big, big role um, for this team. And we're already kind of seeing that early in the uh, in the 2019 campaign. Uh, we can't go a podcast without talking Chad Kelly, so we'll hit on that. And then keys to the game for the latest home opener for the Colts since 2004. It's been quite a while um, since the Colts have been inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, and uh, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But let's start here with things I learned, and as I sit here, we're coming at you Thursday afternoon, uh, left Colts Complex about an hour ago, still awaiting the official injury report for Thursday, but we did not see Darius Leonard at practice. I wanted to make sure that I watched the little bit of practice that we get to watch uh, before I recorded on Thursday afternoon, and uh, that means two days that Darius Leonard hasn't practiced. And just to catch you all up to speed on how Frank Reich is handling this week, Wednesday was a very light walkthrough practice. Um, so the Colts technically didn't do anything too physical on Wednesday, but they still put out an injury report. Leonard, again, was a DNP, did not participate, and I expect that to be the case again on Thursday. And basically what that means is the chances of him playing on Sunday are extremely slim. You know, when you look at concussions and guys in the concussion protocol – I think I touched a little bit on Tuesday's podcast about this. But basically, the Colts had six guys last season that were in the concussion protocol on a Monday and were trying to get to play that following Sunday, so six days later. And of those six guys, just two were able to play in that six-day span. And the two guys that did that, Marlon Mack and Eric Ebron, they both were at least limited at the Wednesday practice. So, again, we didn't see Leonard 
on the field yesterday. We did not see him on the field again today. Uh, the five-step concussion protocol for the NFL, I know there's a lot of um, questions about that and just maybe not a whole lot of clarity from the league on exactly what that concussion protocol is. Check out my latest notebook on 1075thefan.com. It won't bore you with the five-step process, but it goes into a little bit more detail of just the rest aspect of it, kind of the lighter aerobic stuff that you have to be able to pass, um, eventually get to practice, and then lastly, the independent neurologist that has to clear you uh, to be ready for game action. So, I mean, it, it goes without saying. I'm not breaking any news here how big of a loss Darius Leonard is. He was the guy that has played every single snap but one. Here in 2019, and when he went off that when when he went off the field in uh, Los Angeles in that Chargers game for the one snap, it was Bobby Okereke coming onto the field, lining up next to Anthony Walker, and that's my best guess as to what we will see on Sunday if indeed Leonard is out. Um, I know EJ Speed is technically the backup Will linebacker, but that's just a lot to put on EJ Speed's plate when he was in active Week One, didn't play a single defensive snap in Week Two. You want to throw him into the fire as a full-time starter? You know, here in week three, I, I just think that it's a little bit too much. And Okariki has played um, 26 snaps so far, so it's not a whole lot, but it's about 20% of the defensive snaps we've seen here in 2019. And I think what we'll find out on Sunday and what I'm expecting is we'll see Okariki at the mic, which is his natural position, where he played mostly in college and where he's worked for the majority of practice reps. And then we'll see Anthony Walker slide from Mike over to Will. Now, just because Walker isn't the Mike, I still think he'll have the little green dot on his helmet and he'll be the the communicator from the sidelines. Uh, getting, you know, the calls from Matt Eberflus and, you know, Bobby Okariki will have some responsibility in terms of lining guys up, but I think Walker will be the one immediately can conveying that. Cause I, you know, I do think Walker will be on the field a whole lot on Sunday. And this is the lineup we saw for the preseason opener. It was Okariki starting with Walker against Buffalo and it was Okariki at the mic, Walker at the will. So, I mean, talk about a hell of an opportunity for Bobby Okariki. You know, I was thinking back to the draft film session that we did with um, Chris Ballard back in, I think it was in May, a couple weeks after the draft. And he's breaking down film of Okariki and EJ Speed and, you know, at the time, you know, thought Ben Banigou was a linebacker. And Ballard is like, I had to improve linebacker depth. Like, that was something that he wasn't pleased with. You know, he spent a ton of draft capital obviously in 2017 just the quantity of draft capital that he spent with Anthony Walker and then 2018 your lawyer backs it up with Darius Leonard Matthew Adams and Zaire Franklin but he still didn't love that depth there in that the Giants game you had a guy like Ahmad Thomas getting called up from the practice squad to be playing because you didn't have Anthony Walker in the lineup and the New England game, you had a ton of injuries last year, but we remember how that looked without Darius Leonard on the field. And think back to that Miami game. I always I, I always go go back to that game with Leonard. He gets hurt on the first play of the game. I mean, just you could hear a pin drop inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. So he goes to the locker room, and the Dolphins just like a knife through just butter. 
fine melted butter. I love a buttered bagel is literally a meal I'd have so much when I was growing up. God, that's probably just terrible for you, but I love them. Um, yeah, the Dolphins went through the Colts' defense just like melted butter. I mean, it was just seamless. Six plays, 75 yards, boom. And luckily for the Colts, Darius Leonard got back on the field for that second series. And um, the Colts were able to win that game. But, you know, what, what I'm getting at is the sample size is small because Leonard has played. He played every single snap last year in 11 of the 15 games he played in. That's a ton. This guy does not come off the field. And the sample size, again, it's small, but it hasn't been pretty when Darius Leonard has not been on the field. So we're going to find out. This is why you wanted the linebacker depth. And, again, as of right now, I think it's trending towards Bobby Okereke and Anthony Walker on Sunday afternoon. Moving on to the kicker. Um, God, I hate talking about this. Adam Vinatieri, of course. Um, you know, if you listen to me on Tuesday's podcast, you heard me. I think make it pretty darn clear that at the very least the Colts needed to work out kickers. The very least, and uh, that has happened. So let's run down a few of these kickers. I, I think I mentioned a few of these names on the podcast. Boy. It's almost like a list of, you know, kids that are on your freshman floor. Chase McLaughlin. Greg Joseph. You know. Elliot Fry. Yeah, I'm from the suburb of Chicago. No, you're not, Elliot. You're from freaking Wisconsin. Just, you know, you don't need to act like you're some diehard Cubs and and Bears fans. Um, so yeah, this is the group. Elliot Fry, he um, lost the kicking competition in Chicago this preseason. Uh, didn't miss a kick in the preseason. He worked out with the Jets last week, but obviously did not become their kicker. Cole Hedlund, we know here. He was the undrafted free agent of the Colts. I think he started at Arkansas, ended up at North Texas, I want to say. Hedlund was 6 of 8 on field goals in the preseason, 3 of 3 on extra points. His two missed field goals in the preseason were from 51 and 45 yards. Young Ho Koo, which I think judging by the Twitter mentions I gotten, they love Young Ho Koo. Um, I think he wins maybe the the name war, uh, award um, for fans. He was the Chargers kicker back in 2017. Lost his job after going three of six. I think a few game winners he missed as well. Um, so, yeah, after the first four games, he was gone. He also worked out or uh, tried out for the Jets a couple weeks ago. Greg Joseph, um, he was actually the Browns kicker last season. Honestly, probably has the best pure, like, kicking resume from last year. 17 of 20 on field goals, 25 of 29 on extra points. You don't love that number, but still, the field goal number is pretty good. Um, the Browns cut him at the end of the 2019 preseason. So he lost his own kicking competition with, um, I forget who the Browns kicker is. But yeah, he was one of two on field goals and two of three on extra points in August. So he was in here. Chase McLaughlin's a 2019 undrafted free agent. He was with Buffalo during the preseason, made every single kick for the Bills, but Steven Hauschka is their kicker. And then lastly, everyone's favorite, Cody Belipin Parkey. Feel bad for Cody. I remember when he was a Colt back in 2014, undrafted guy out of, was it Florida? That's where I could really use Joey. Um, 
Auburn. I knew it was some blue and orange SEC team. Nice guy, Cody Parkey. Ryan Grixon, uh, one of his crowning achievements as general manager might have been that he traded Cody Parkey for David Fluellen. He was proud of that. I think David Fluellen's now on the Titans. So Parkey's bounced around a little bit. We obviously know where he last was, but um, was in Indy. Had a Pro Bowl year his first season in Philly. Was Philly's kicker till 2016 or 2015. Then he went to the Browns. Then he went to the Dolphins. And lastly, with the Bears. Um, you know, we know the double doink and everything, how his you know season ended with the the Bears, and then he goes on Good Morning America and – I probably had Carmel moms just weeping, feeling so bad that Cody Parkey's career had come to a close. Um, but you know what? If you if you can get past the whole ending with the Bears, which I know not a lot of people can, he's got he's got decent numbers: eighty four percent career kicker on field goals, ninety five percent on extra points. He's kicked fifty four career games. He's by far the most experienced kicker that the Colts brought in. But um. Obviously, the 11 misses that he had last year, 11. Uh, not great for Cody Parkey. So, again, those are just names to to keep an eye on, just in case. Yeah, I think it was extremely smart by Chris Bauer to, to do that. You can have Frank Wright wax is poetic about, you know, he believes in Adam Vinatieri, 24-7-365, but you aren't doing your job if you don't bring in kickers and see what's on the other side of that. Um... We did hear from Adam Vinatieri on Tuesday. You know, he, he mentioned that the reason he didn't talk on Monday, he said, was just a misunderstanding, you know, a little hot in the moment. He is used to Monday being the player's off day. He wouldn't reveal much of the conversation that him and Frank Reich had. I, I think even though Adam Vinatieri says there is no retirement, the conversation just wasn't about, you know, what's the best golf course in Indianapolis or, you know, Great steak place to go to on a Friday night. I mean, it was there was something there with that conversation. But you know, the Colts are sticking with them. You know, Vinny. I, I asked. I wanted to ask him about, about about the whole plant leg thing that Pat McAfee had mentioned. Because when Vinny was a little banged up in August, it was because of the plant leg, his left leg, um, and, and he says that he feels good enough. Well, you know what? I mean, what's good enough at the age of forty six? Good enough at 26 might be different than good enough at 46. Good enough at 36. I mean, and that's, I think, where where we have to get to where Adam Vinatieri could go 5-5 five five on Sunday and go 5-5 five five next Sunday. And there, this cloud is still going to hang over Adam Vinatieri until the end of the season. Like, it's not because the next time he misses, the next time he goes outdoors, or the next time he has a game like he had against Tennessee or L.A., these questions arise again. And that's where the Colts have kind of backed themselves into this corner um, with Adam Vinatieri. He mentioned getting the demons out. I, I don't know if that would have been on the old uh, the word choice I would have used. I don't know if he means demons in his leg or in his head, but oof, sounds awful. Sounds like I'm watching Stranger Things. Um, a couple quotes I wanted to mention. Caught up with Bubba Ventrone a little bit, the special teams coordinator on Tuesday again, and and Bubba was pretty adamant that they have not overthought this. They are not breaking down endless film and 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 you know trying to make it too mental because I think it already is a bit mental. But Ventrone said this: 
I would say the one thing we have not done is overthink or overthought anything with this whole process. It's just about him applying the corrections and making it right. I told him not to overthink it. Just don't overthink it. Clean slate this week. Zero for zero. Treat this like it's your first game, and let's just put all this effing shit behind us. Pretty clear. I honestly think it's pretty wise words, you know? I think Adam Vinatieri relates to that. You know, he's an extremely, extremely competitive human being, and that's why I think bringing in these kickers was smart. You know, it's not something, like, it shouldn't take this, but that was a good move by the Colts. You know, I I, I mentioned this in an article on 1075thefan.com earlier in the week. Vinatieri was a little pissed off last year when they brought in kickers when he was banged up. He understood it, but they bring in kickers week eight. Vinatieri had just missed two extra points against Buffalo in in the route. He was getting ready to break the NFL's all-time scoring record, but they needed to bring in some kickers just in case he was hurt. And I actually think Cairo Santos was one of those kickers who we saw kick last week for the Titans. Vinny ends up being healthy, makes all six of his kicks against the Raiders, and after that game, he goes... We brought in a couple kickers to see if I couldn't go, and I hated it. I hate watching anybody for a day doing my job. He's a competitive son of a gun. Like, he, like that frustrated him. And again, he understood it, but that would piss you, you or I off. You, you don't want anyone coming into your – that's probably the first time Venetari's ever had a kicker come into his building outside of Matt Stover back in that Super Bowl year. Where I remember there's a Pat McAfee clip from a, from a podcast, and a shout out to Scott Agnes for alerting me of that. You know, back in that 2009 season, there was a kicking competition during practice one day, Vinatieri against Stover, and Vinny didn't miss a single kick. He ended up not being healthy enough to, to continue to kick that season, but this is an extremely, extremely competitive human being. It shouldn't, again, take the workout kickers, but to come in here and maybe fire him up and, and be that change, but nothing else has worked. So let's see if that'll happen. And um, Vinny has, lastly, before we move on from this, the last five games, the Colts have been on the road for a while. Five games now they've been on the road. And that's when Vinny's had these struggles. All of them outdoor stadiums, but Houston. And I think that that uh, dome was open that day. Last year at home, Venetary was 12 of 15 on field goals, 23 of 25 on extra points. So he's kicked well inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Did it last year um, decently well, 12 of 15. He probably maybe went a little bit of an uptick on that. But, um, yeah, we'll find out Sunday afternoon for Adam Venetary. Talk about probably the more nerve-wracking, one of the more nerve-wracking regular season games he's had in the last 20 years by far. All right, moving on to the secondary. I want to touch on this group a little bit. Um, first off, it sounds like good news on Pierre Desir. He's been back to practice this week. I think it was limited Wednesday. Again, we haven't seen the official injury report on Thursday yet, but he was practicing with his helmet on. So that's good news. I mean, we know full well the Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins games from last season. I still don't think you shadow Julio Jones, but it just gives you a bigger body as an outside wideout or as an outside DB that can help you out. Um, and you just aren't throwing, you know, guys like Rocky Seen or Quincy Wilson into the fire because the Falcons still got a lot of wideouts. You're going to need guys to cover, you know, Calvin Ridley. 
and uh, Muhammad Sanu. Um, but I wanted to focus more so on Kari Willis here. And that guy's coming. Week one, you know, a couple rocky moments, played 16 snaps in that game. And then all of a sudden in week two, we see that uptick to 30 snaps. He played half of the defensive snaps in week two and finished with the second most tackles on the team. Seven tackles he had against the Titans. Yeah, I thought some of those tackles in space were just outstanding. So darn instinctual. You know, I don't think he's some crazy, crazy combine tester that maybe there are, you know, some of these other draft picks that the that the Colts have had. But when you play and you diagnose and you're that smart, you can look faster than, you know, maybe run 4-3 or something like that. Um, so I just think he recognizes really well. The Colts love his instincts. And I'm kind of debating right now, you know, where are you at on the Clayton Gathers, Kari Willis thing? You know, was the increase in playing time for Willis, playing half the defensive snaps, Clayton Gathers going from nearly 90% of the snaps week one, dialed back to 70% of the snaps in week two, was that because of the heat? 95 degrees in Nashville? Or was that because this is going to be much more of a political platoon sort of thing with Kari Willis here in 2019. So that'll be something to watch moving forward. You know, I think at some point we thought Kari Willis could start, but you know, clearly early in the season, they think pretty highly of him and he's going to be big on Sunday. Um, you know, Malik Hooker is going to be huge, huge, huge on Sunday over the top help. For Malik Hooker, I mean, you go back and watch that Sunday game, Eagles Falcons. I mean, shit, there were times where Matt, Matt Ryan just threw the ball up. He's just like, go and get it. And hell, if I had Julio Jones, I'd probably do the same thing. So, it's a big time, big time game, you know, for this young secondary. Justin Houston mentioned it today. You don't usually hear this from defensive players. Usually, it's like we got to stop stop the run and force them to pass. It's kind of the opposite way. It's kind of like. We need to take away the pass and force them to run it, um, which I think is a bit more difficult, but um, that's kind of how the blueprint looks for the Falcons. Lastly, before we move into kind of keys of the game and, and a prediction, just quickly on Chad Kelly. I'm taping this. It's 3.30 when I'm taping it. Um, so we should find out about Chad Kelly here the next hour or so on uh, if he cleared waivers and going to the practice squad. And I know the Colts are very confident that he will go onto the practice squad. I can't sit here and gauge, you know, how 31 other NFL teams think. Um, to me, if I were in a dire quarterback need like so many teams are around the league, I might take a 53-man roster spot on Chad Kelly. Why not? You know, similar with the Colts dead few years ago, Stephen Morris. Now maybe the off-the-field issues shy some teams away. And while I think the Colts really like Chad Kelly, if they really, really liked him, they would have just promoted him to the 53-man roster. They aren't in that dire of a need roster spot-wise. There are some injuries. You know, we'll talk about Marlon Mack here in a second. But, you know, what about a guy like Roland Milligan? Do you have to have Roland Milligan? You know, I I think that's a you know a body that you could... Do you have to have Hale, Hale Hentges? Now, maybe Hale Hentges means more than, you know, have, having the security of Chad Kelly. But I look more around the league right now. I'm thinking to myself... Man, you know, if Jacoby Brissett gets hurt, you know, just just quarterbacks right now, it just seems like it's so precious here in 2019. And, um, 
again, they are confident that they can get him to the practice squad. I I do think that they tried to trade him. And I just don't think that there was much interest there from other teams. So that'll be something to watch around the league. Here with that waiver wire for Chad Kelly. Quick Twitter question I did want to throw in here. Aaron says, what wrinkle or two do you think we might see on both sides of the ball this week against the Falcons? Another solid veteran QB coming in with receivers that are better overall than what we faced against the Chargers in the opener, in my opinion. I'd agree with that, Aaron, You know, especially with Mike Williams getting banged up in that game. This is one of the better, definitely in terms of a home game, I'd say probably the best quarterback-wide receiver combination, wide receivers, plural, combination you might see all year. Houston deserves to be in that mix right now, but hell, Will Fuller and Kiki Kiki Kutique and they never seem to be healthy. But this is going to be a really good test. And I, I think, do you see more the mixing of the of the man and the zone? Um, does Malik Hooker maybe migrate away from just being a deep center field guy to kind of cheating over to Julio Jones's side? I think those are all things to watch. I'm curious to see how the injury to Darius Darius Leonard impacts how the Colts use that as well. So. I think those are um, those are all. I think it's a great question, Aaron, and all things that I'll be watching for. Um, quickly on the injuries, we touched on Leonard, we touched on Desir. I think Desir plays. Marlon Mack, a calf injury for Mack, did not participate Wednesday during the light walkthrough. Was out at practice Thursday. Um, I expect him to be a DNP. He didn't have his helmet with him, but he was at least watching, moving. I didn't notice any, you know, big time limp. So that'll be a big name to watch on Friday. You know, Mac has 45 carries through the first two weeks of the season. It's the most in the NFL. He was carrying a walking boot in the locker on Tuesday, which I know sounds really weird, but yes, he was carrying it. Um, I have a feeling he was getting ready to put it on, but didn't want to put it on in front of the media. But yeah, a calf injury. God, I'm going to think so definitely about every calf injury the rest of my life after what we went through with Andrew Luck. Um, but that's something that definitely bears monitoring tomorrow. You know, I still think there's a definite chance he can play, but does he need any practice time? Are you nervous he could pull that, you know, something could happen with that calf? You know, we saw the hamstring issues with him last year. If he can't go, I assume it's just Jordan Wilkins sliding in the starting lineup. Keep Naeem Hines in the hybrid third down role. Jonathan Williams then, then would play. Williams has been back to practice. I think I mentioned this stat on Tuesday's pod, but if I haven't, I'll throw it in here. Jordan Wilkins, there's 84 running backs in the NFL, active running backs, that have had at least 65 carries in their NFL career. So, I mean, 65 is a pretty substantial amount. Jordan Wilkins ranks first with 6.43 yards per carry. Second on the list, again, six. 6.43 yards per carry for Jordan Wilkins. Second on the list, Aaron Jones at 5.32. That's a full yard drop-off from Wilkins to the second-place guy on the list in Jones. And even if you take out his 50-yard runs, he's still averaging 4.8 a pop. You know, it's the guy we saw start last season when Marlon Mack was out. So I assume that's what they would do again, but... Uh, I. You know, again, I'm not rolling Marlon Mack out by any means. Kamoko Turi back. Did see Jacoby Brissett on the injury report. Uh, full participant, though. 
labeled as a knee. I know he wears a knee brace in games. I think Thursday was the first time I've seen him wear a knee, knee brace in practice. Maybe he has. I just don't really, really remember him wearing one. Um, but, yeah, um, he should be good to go there. Let's get into keys to the game. Falcons, Colts, Sunday afternoon at the drum. Expect the roof to be closed. Got to be closed for Adam Vinatieri. Like I said, latest home opener since 2004. This is crazy. Back-to-back road games to start the year for the Colts. Number one, it's obviously handling Julio Jones. You know, find me a better skill player you'll face all year. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins. It's a good debate, though. Who's better, Julio or DeAndre Hopkins? I really like Hopkins, but man, Julio. Oof, Sunday night was scary. But yeah, I mean, this is going to be a great test, and I think it's a great test for this Colts secondary. You know, Matt Ryan has turned the ball over at a very high rate this year, second highest interception rate in the league. But how does this secondary handle it? You know, we saw them pass some big tests late last season with Hopkins and Cooper. Uh, But this is definitely going to test them, and certainly the pass rush as well. The Colts right now rank, I think, third in the NFL in sack percentage. Basically, it's they've recorded a sack every 12 pass attempts for their opponent, which is a really nice number. So disrupt the timing. Have a plan for Julio. That is key number one. Number two, I'm going to throw it on here, replacing Darius Leonard. You know, Are you getting exposed up the middle? Ha- has Leonard looked like a pro bowler this year? No, he hasn't. But we saw the drop-off last year when Darius Leonard was out of the lineup. And what does Bobby Okereke, do they use EJ Speed? How does Anthony Walker play every snap when he hasn't really played um, You know, every snap this season? Those are all very big questions. Does Atlanta do anything schematically to try to expose you know, no Leonard in the middle of the field? Dan Quinn, their head coach, had some high, high praise for Darius Leonard this week, saying that the Falcons were really high on him during the draft process. Um, you know, Kind of knew him from that similar area. Um, but they obviously didn't have the 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 you know what to take South Carolina State linebacker at 36 overall like Chris Ballard. By the way, did you guys see that Chris Ballard note I put in the notebook? I also tweeted it out. The Athletic had a writer interview uh, 21 NFL agents off the record, and they voted on various questions about the draft and the 2020 scouting process and things like that. They also voted on the top NFL talent evaluator. Number one on that list, Chris Bleepin Ballard. Five votes for Ballard. Belichick was second with four. Rivalry is back on, folks. Rivalry is back on. High, high praise. Well-deserved for Chris Ballard there. And then lastly, my third key is dominate the trenches. If you don't have Leonard and you don't have Mac, I put even more of an emphasis, and again, those are very questions that don't have definite answers right now, even more of an emphasis on the trenches, which I think the Colts have a big advantage in this game. Atlanta's D-line is not huge. They've got some guys, Grady Jarrett, Vic Beasley, Zach McKinley. They bring in Allen Bailey a little bit. But when you look at the Colts' offensive line, we know that they can impose their will. And I think it's a huge, huge moment for them to to do that. And then vice versa, when Atlanta's on the field, their O-line, Chris Lindstrom, Lindstrom the first-round pick out of Boston College, he's out. Caleb McGrady, uh, second, third-rounder, I think, from Washington, he's been banged up 
and he's iffy to go. So the Falcons are dealing with a couple injuries on their own line, and the Colts' defensive line, from a pass rush standpoint, has done a really nice job. They've had, I think it's seven guys already have a sack this season. They only had nine all last year with with a sack. So um, I think that's something notable, and, and that would be a big, big key to watch on Sunday. All right, it's prediction time. So far, I'm 2-0 and in the year. Predicted a loss, predicted a win, and um, this one is tough. Right now, I think the Colts are a one-and-a-half-point favorite, last I checked. Um, and I, crazy stat as well, the Falcons are 1-7. 1-7 and seven. One and seven against the AFC the last two years. I got a bad record for a team that's, you know, probably been a little bit above 500 over the last two years. So um, I think the Falcons are really talented. I think they provide a difficult matchup in the passing game. And without Leonard and potentially a limited Mac, this might sound crazy, but I'm going to go with the Colts. And I guess I'm putting in a little bit of faith of like, okay, how much has the linebacker depth improved? Um, if the O-line can dominate the trenches, can Jordan Wilkins still have a nice day on the ground and I think the big thing is you got to keep it into the 20s. If this game gets into the 30s, that means that Falcons passing offense is clicking, and I don't like it. I don't like it for the Colts. So I'm going to go with 27-20. I still think it'll be a really very similar to the first two games, down to the wire, final minute sort of thing. Um, but I also think this is critical. Even though you don't have Leonard, you do, like nobody around the NFL is going to weep for you. People, There's injuries all around the league right now. you got to go out there and you got to protect home field. And I think they'll they'll get a jolt inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. I think the Colts will move to two and one and continue to stay on the right side of that eight ball, which I think is paramount here in twenty nineteen. So yeah, one oh seven five thefan.com will be your place to go on Friday. That will be the final injury update on Leonard, on Marlon Mack. Kamoko Turi looks good to go. Don't know if I've mentioned that. Uh Pierre Desir as well. But appreciate y'all tuning in. Everyone wish Joey a happy nuptials on Saturday. I can't wait to be there for him. So happy for him and Riley. And we'll be back on Monday morning with another podcast here on Kevin's Corner. Everybody have a great weekend. Go Irish. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.